You're listening to the You Don't Know Me Yet Podcast Network. You are listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your favorite host, Maria Jordan. And your boy, Karis Jordan. And we are sipping tea while spilling tea. Good afternoon, family. Thank you for listening to Afternoon Tea Radio. With your favorite host, Maria Jordan. My co-host, Karis Jordan, is not in the studio today. He had another event, but that's okay because we are still going to have an amazing time. I'm excited because today I'm going to be sipping tea while spilling tea with special guest. I'm talking influencer, blogger, actor, singer, dancer. He does it all, y'all. I have the amazing Daniel J online with me today. How are you? Hello, I'm doing amazingly. Thank you so much for having me. Oh on my the show. gosh. I am such a fan. I'm so excited to have you on today. Um I just I just think you're awesome. I love your perspective. I love the way you articulate your point of view. And yeah, so I am excited to have you on the show today. <laughs> I'm excited. You're gonna to be teach here. us something today, boo boo. <laughs> That's what you do. do. <laughs> All right. So before we get into our talk segment, we're going to talk today's tea. So I'm sure the whole world, I know a lot of my community is boiling, boiling over um, the situation at the Texas border with um, our Haitian family. Um, it's, you know, I think that a lot. A lot of people are, I mean, we've seen the pictures. The idea of seeing these little babies being held over water and people with whips and, you know, offices with whips and stuff like that on horses. It just, it was so triggering. Um, And I mean, and then I just honestly felt like the whole uh, government and the Biden administration, I felt like it was delayed. The response was extremely delayed. Dan, you, you know, what was your opinion on all that? So I have a, an unpopular opinion when it comes to the patient migrants and just this whole scenario and situation. Yeah. And my unpopular opinion is... I am, well, number one, it's horrible. It's deplorable to treat any human being the way that these individuals are being treated, trying to escape a country that, you know, America has deemed extremely dangerous, you know, is going through a horrible tragedy. Um, and these pictures that we're seeing online with these officers on horses and these whips, like, this is not new. We've seen these, mm-hmm. these pictures depicted in caricature from slavery days. Absolutely. My anger about it comes because, and this is to my black community, there are a lot of people in the black community when we were dealing with Dreamers and DACAs and dealing with Latinx folks who were dealing with the same issue that were completely silent. Mm. Completely silent. They didn't have any... Uh, opinion about it one way or the other some people felt like well you know they're illegal aliens so they need to go back go Mm. back to mexico this that and the other and now that we're in a situation where the migrants look like us Hmm. where the migrants hue of color is similar to that of other people yeah now all of a sudden you have a lot of black folks in the community and i'm not saying all i'm saying some 
But you yeah. have a lot of black folks in the community who are up in arms, who are outraged and who are, you know, upset and then in, in one, you know, want to start movements. And it's like, this is this is <laughs> this me. is not a black issue or a Latin issue. Immigrants come in all shades. Yeah. That's how we got here. You know what I'm Absolutely. Like, immigrants come in all shades. And so my upset in that regard is simply that I wish as communities, as American citizens, that we could really gather together more about the immigration issue across the board and not pick and choose which mm. section of immigrants we want to support and you know, we want to advocate for. I think it's it's the triggering part of it, you know, and I think it's the same issue that our country specifically has as a whole you know it's one of those things that if you can't relate you don't understand and sometimes when you don't understand you need to be quiet but I think that you know I will say at least in Atlanta the whole even with everything that happened with our um, Mexican brothers and sisters at the Mexican border and all that was an outrage as well here. So I think it's just different. I don't I guess it was different in different parts of the country. Like they were we were boiling over here about that as well. I think because a lot of I know for, um, depending on where you're from, minority is minority. But regardless, it's like yeah, it is an outrage. But how do we get what? How do you think that they, that should have been handled? Do you think that everyone should have been left? I mean, brought into Del Rio. Like, what was your? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, at the end of the day, I think that America has always, whether however true it is or not, but let's say for the PR purposes, America has always been a place that has said to the world. Um, if you are a refugee, if you are escaping danger, you can be safe. Mm. Um, and so to see this depiction, uh, you know, specifically in regards to, to the, to Del Rio in Texas, to see this depiction where you are literally whipping them. Oh my goodness. And wrangling them like cattle out of, out of the water and, and, and putting them on a plane by the droves and sending yeah. them back. Yeah. to a country that they are seeking refuge from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just deplorable. I think that, I don't think that there's just one simple answer on how to do it because I feel like the system was never really created to to be that anyway. Yeah. And, and I, saying, like, I think that's... A, it, it wasn't created to, 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 to work like that. And so... I definitely feel on a, on a human level, yes, we should have left them in. We should have found them, you know, um, livable, equitable housing and, and, and started this process with them to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we deal with this issue? How do, you know, do we put them yeah. through, um, do, do, do we make them citizens? How do we do that? You know, yeah. all of the things that would go into that. But again, the systems that we have, the administrations that we have had, None of them have addressed the core and, and the basis of how America deals with people that they deem aren't worthy to be here. Mm. And that that that's just a whole I mean, that that whole comment runs so deep and it's so broad because it's it goes past just it's just like you said, how do you determine and who determines who because we're all immigrants at the end of the day. And to be told. 
some of us are not immigrants. Some of us are simply colonizers. Yeah. You know, you you took hold of a land that was not yours mm. and decided that it was yours. And then you put in a system, you put a system in place to tell everybody else, keep out. Yeah. Well, you, this ain't your land <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not. Um, how did you feel about Biden's response? I mean, like the Biden and Harris response. <sighs> I feel like we go through this every year with pres- or not every year, but every election, presidential election, where when we are looking for and voting for presidents and vice presidents, most of us are really voting for the lesser of two evils. Yes. I don't trust any politician. Come on I don't now. think that you can be in politics and be an, a truly honest person. I just don't. Um, I think at some point in your political career, you're going to do some major dirt that gets cover up that we may never know about. And I'm, and that goes to everybody. I don't whatever whoever the politician. Is. Mm. Um, I think Biden, the Biden Harris response in their mind, was probably the best response to America because America, again, is a conglomerate of different people, different beliefs, different whatever, um, different political views. Uh, but I don't really I don't really pay attention to what administrations say. I'm more concerned about what administrations do. Yeah. And I'm more concerned about what bills administrations are passing and signing off on I'm, because those are the things that that's the political game, right? They yeah. get on stage, they get in front of a camera, and they say these these wonderful, sweet, wonderful things to the to the American people to kind of sh- shift our eyes in a, in, a, in a way. And on the other side of us, they're putting a, a bill in in in, in place, place where you know women oppress. can get abortion exactly <laughs> to you oppress. Know? It's like no, that's right. It's it's one, and that 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 is the government. And I can't even say it's just ours. That just seems to be the way um, of the government. Well, enough about that. We are praying um, for our Haitian brothers and sisters um, and for all of our migrants and immigrants or however you want to call. People are people, and we have a human responsibility to treat people like human beings. Absolutely. Um, and that is the bottom line. That can There can ne- never be anything that trumps you treating someone like a human being, uh, respecting a human being. There's nothing that trumps that, in my opinion. So we got to do better. But, you know, good luck with that. All right. So <laughs> moving forward. So how's L.A.? What's the weather like right now? Oh, my God. Well, you know, L.A. is always up and down. You know, L.A. can be sunny one day, cloudy the next, (laughs) overcast, and rain for about five minutes. Then we get an earthquake, and then everybody's at the beach. (laughs) I know. Oh, Lord. And I complain about Atlanta because it's been raining here. Like, oof. It's not raining today. It's cooler than usual. But finally, we got some regular weather. Is it sunny at least? Um, it is funny. I tell people all the time because I grew. I'm from Los Angeles. Like I, I was born and raised. In Los ah, Angeles. I didn't know that. Um, and I know that a lot of people look at LA and 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 think that everybody that lives here is from here. But there are a lot of like transplants. Oh yeah, in Los Angeles and Atlanta. But I tell people all the time, LA really only has like two and a half seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I believe. So, like, so. Technically, we have spring, which happens like April, May, 
But as soon as June hit, June to November is a is summer. Like <laughs> right. it's hot as hell. June to November, uh, it's hot as hell. The sun comes out, um, you know, and 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 things occur. Oh goodness! Around November, December, we start to get into our winter seasons where it gets a little colder, and then December, January, and February is kind of like our rainy season. Like it rains a, a, a lot during those months. Mm, um, see, and then we're back in March and we're transitioning into, back into, into the heat wave. All right. So, well, you know, that's a beautiful right thing. Now it, it hasn't been a lot of rain, but it, you know, it, it, it's doable. It has, I, I think our average temperature has been like 85 degrees. Oh my. See, that's hot, but it's nice. <laughs> that's hot though. Let's be right. That, that's a little, that's a little hot. Okay. But it's okay. Hot for, for Atlanta is different because y'all have that humidity. We do. That, you right. Ooh. You are right. You are right. That humidity here is hot and you feel like you like in the sauna. Hot. Now, yeah. It's wonderful. If you have curly hair, it, it, hey, hey, that humidity will work wonderful. Your hair be so Unless you got curly hair and you like to straighten your hair and then <laughs> the curls okay, then start popping laugh. out. Yeah, that's not cute. Nowhere. And that's my life. But it's okay because she got braids. She got braids right now. Come on. So tell the listeners a little bit about your background. Like where you're originally from L.A. What was your childhood like? Oh, child, this was an open segment? Yes, so, come on. <laughs> come on, give it um, to us. So my background, uh, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm biracial. So my father is black uh, from Louisiana. Um, my mother is Mexican-American, born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, my childhood wasn't, you know, roses and, and, <laughs> and candy. <laughs> Mm. Um, I had a very difficult childhood um, in regards to a lot of trauma oh. that I occurred as a kid, you know, from being a sex abuse survivor wow. um, to losing my brother when I was 12 in a car accident, um, you know, absentee father yeah. um, and, you know, grew up uh, dealing with, at the time, a stepfather who was a bit of an alcoholic and very verbally abusive. Yeah. Um, luckily, prayerfully, thank you. He's not that anymore, and our relationship is amazing. Mm, look at God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I grew up a very creative child. Like, mm-hmm. I, my mother was very big. She regrets it now, I'm sure. <laughs> but my mother was very big on making sure that we spoke our truth. Mm, um, she was a woman, very much like my grandmother, where she just told it like it was. And, you know, if you had a question, ask your question. If you didn't agree with something, then you speak on that. And my mother would, she really forced reading on me. She always wanted to make sure that her kids were very well read, very well written. Mm. Um, because her story, you know, is also a traumatic one um, that I'm not going to share because that's her story to yes. tell. But she she did not have the best uh, childhood growing up yeah. either and so she didn't finish high school and she just kind of went into the workforce as a laborer wow. and so I watched my mom who is a beautiful woman by the way I can tell uh, I watched look my at you mom. yeah my mom she worked for Santee Dairies which was a dairy company out here that's no longer in existence but she worked as a janitor and I remember watching my mom every day put on a full face of makeup she would do her hair oh, in like Victorian 
1920s uh, Victorian robe, oh, you know, wow. pinned up. Yeah. And she would put on her little white janitor's outfit, nails done with the with the hot red nail yes. polish. And she would go and she would push and she would go make her coin. Wow. And watching her do that gave me and taught me the importance of number one confidence, but it mm-hmm. also taught me the importance of hard work. Yeah. Um, the importance of just knowing who you are and putting your best foot forward. I love so, that. So, you know, I am a very opinionated, um, honest, and blunt you individual think? that has had to learn <laughs> how not to be as curt <sighs> as I was in my youth. Oh, um, my gosh. <laughs> yes. You had to learn was, to filter just, just a little bit. Just a tag, you know. Just a snow. Listen, it's 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 a sprinkle. It's a sprinkle, and I love it. I love it. I'm here for it all. And shout out to mom because you can see, um, in you the the effort that you're saying that she put into her children. Because Thank you could, I, I, I love how outspoken you are I love for me even if I don't agree or understand my whole goal is to broaden perspective my whole goal is respect and understand or or learn you know learn to respect the things you don't understand you know and and I just feel like you you express it so honestly so authentically and um and it resonates even when you're doing your comedy and you're 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 just yourself and there's nothing (laughs) more you can ask of a person than to just be yourself and to be honest with you it's a lot harder said than done when you don't have parents like your mom (laughs) well i definitely shout out to my mother you know she she is still a very beautiful woman she will be 73 next year and she is every bit of (laughs) Here's <laughs> every bit of my mother. It's funny though, because to what you know, as we get older, you know, we change, and so my mother has become a bit more docile in her demeanor. Yeah. And so when my friends meet my mother, um, she is the sweetest, w- most wonderful woman that they will ever meet. But there, are very few of them. Sometimes they'll catch something my mother says <laughs> or some, uh, something my, my mother delivers, and they'll look at me and go, "Oh, you get this." I- <laughs> It's that is that under you know oh that least expected com- comment maybe you well, know I'm definitely my mama's child oh my gosh um, that's and funny. I just want to say you know in regards to like my opinion and things one of the things that I really people often misconstrue especially when they watch me on my Instagram or TikTok when I'm talking about certain issues my goal is never to convince somebody to believe what I believe mm-hmm. that yeah you've mentioned that yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, whether we agree or not, my goal is to allow people to make informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is so important, you know, because I talk a lot about a, a, a talk, I talk a lot about, you know, LGBTQIA uh, issues. I talk a lot about, you know, the black community and the issues and the discrimination mm-hmm. that we that we endure as a community. Uh, but one of the things that is is super important to me is that. People need to understand whatever you believe, whatever you think, you have the right to believe and think that. Yeah. But the minute that that belief and that thought and those words come out in a way where it restricts another human being's right mm. to be who they are, it's a problem. And so many people 
hear what I have to say and they combat me on it. And it's like, well, you can't force me to da 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 And I'm like, I'm not trying to force you to believe anything. But please understand that if you meet another human being, whether you agree with how they identify, whether you agree who they're sleeping with, whether you agree how they dress or whatever, they're still a human being that deserves to be respected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're in their face smiling and giggling, but then you go and you you uh, vote on an anti-trans bill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I have a problem with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, as you should. Um, and, you know, it's. I think that, and I think you've tapped on this before, um, a lot of people just, I mean, and this goes into race. I know you compare the two a lot um, and homophobia. Um, like, a lot of people just, it's like they disrespect what they don't understand. And, they, and, and what do you think is necessary so that we as people can kind of come together on on some of these issues like I, I i i hear both sides and i am all for respect of everybody but how do we really like what are the real <laughs> steps like to get on the same page with things you know Again, it's one of those questions that doesn't have a simple answer. It just doesn't. Um, Does it have an answer? (laughs) (laughs) I think some of the ways is that all minorities need to understand that we are all under a system of white supremacy and systematic oppression. Absolutely. That we are no... My mother used to tell me all the time, and I thank her for telling me this. She would tell me, you are no better than anybody else but nobody else is better than you. Mm, I love that. And you know what? And it was not as eloquent, but I remember when I was young, I had a friend of mine. It was a guy friend of mine. And he, you know, he would tell me, he'd be like, listen, when you go in the club, you're a beautiful woman, but you got to understand it's beautiful. There's someone with a bigger booty than you. There's someone with something better than you. And all of you, the point being you're not better than them. They're not better than you. It's always going to be equal. Like you can't go into spaces thinking that you're the best and you're better. You have to go into spaces respecting everybody and knowing that at the end of the day, you cute, but it's always someone who might be cuter. Everybody's going to have their own opinions on things. And you just got to respect everybody across the board and don't feel like you're better than anybody. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think that to, to answer to answer or to attempt to answer the question, I think that's number one, that minorities across the board need to understand we are all on the same level in that regard. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I compare what I call homo hatred and trans hatred or, or homo ignorance and trans ignorance, why I conflate it with racism, especially when I'm talking to a black to the black community, is because the scenarios are the exact same. Mm. The variables, however, are different. Explain and that so a little lot bit more. Of, Explain so that what I mean more. by that, for instance, when for a black you're, you're a black woman living a black woman's experience. You're cis you're a cisgender heterosexual black woman, right? Mm-hmm. You have lived your entire life experiencing certain microaggressions as a black woman. Yeah. 
And so when you meet a Karen in your life and Karen starts to talk to you in a way where you know, based on your experience, she's being condescending to you Mm -hmm. and you begin to defend yourself when somebody else who could be another black person, who could be a non-black person and who could even be another white person. If one of those people came up to you and said, well, I don't think she was being condescending. Mm. Well, you wouldn't know that because you, that this is not your experience. I have observed, lived, experienced, combated this my entire life. So I know what it looks like and what it sounds like when someone is speaking down to me, but using mm. lang- hidden language so that the rest of the uh, people around you don't catch on. You know, mm. things like when they say, oh, my God, you're so well-spoken. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, you're so intelligent. Oh, my God, your hair is so pretty. It's so wild and crazy. (laughs) Or, oh, my God, you're so pretty for your complexion. Right. So so as a black woman, you are you are you have a Ph.D. in microaggressions against black women. Right. Yeah, absolutely. As a black LGBTQIA individual, we have the same. Yeah. So when a cisgender heterosexual person is speaking to us. And having an experience with us, we also have a PhD in those microaggressions against Black LGBTQIA folks. Yeah. And so, so when a, when another Black person who is cis het comes in and says, "Well, I don't think," well, pause. You don't have the range for that conversation because mm-hmm. you don't have the experience. Yeah. So what do you what when when does the ignorance of it all come in? Because I think that even, you know, when I look at, you know, some of the examples you've given as me being a black woman, maybe in corporate America before and um, experiencing these. uh, Oh, my God, just like being the token, like, you know, when you're the token, being the token in the corporate (laughs) office. Right. And and noticing that and having conversations with um not just white people everybody other than a black woman even black men in some cases having these conversations and knowing i i also know that sometimes it is true ignorance and sometimes it's a learning moment you know sometimes it's it's like okay listen sweetie you you have to understand how this is going or being delivered to me or how I'm perceiving what you're saying. Do you feel like there's a space for that? Like, how do we distinguish the difference? Um, I think that you can only go with someone as far as they've gone with themselves. And so what I mean by that is if you are the person on the receiving end of that microaggression, Mm -hmm. there is work that you need to do to deal with your trauma triggers and to deal with, making sure that your lens is not fogged with thinking that everything is an attack on you or that everyone Mm. is purposely, consciously trying to oppress you. Yeah. Understanding that there are some people in this world, even within our own community, who have certain privileges that we may not. Um, There are just certain people who just don't get it because, again, that's not their experience. They've not observed it. They've not lived it. And so they say things or they do things because it's just instinctually embedded in the, mm-hmm. into who they are. Mm-hmm. But what I want to make clear is that it is nobody's responsibility on the receiving end of microaggression and discrimination 
it's not your obligation to have to teach somebody mm. if you don't want to. Yeah. Because a lot of times we tell people, oh, well, that's a teachable moment. Yeah, but I'm not obligated to do that. Yeah. Like for me, I have been able to kind of discern when someone is asking a question from a really honest place. Like they are yeah. truly ignorant. They do not know. They want to know. And they're saying it the best way that they know how to say it. Yeah. But I know myself enough not to get offended and, and lash out at them because I'm able to discern, okay, they're speaking from a place of true ignorance. They are seeking, you know, a different perspective. They are seeking to learn. And I don't mind helping them in that process. Mm, I love this. Okay, y'all, we're going to take a I quick come, When I come across somebody who... You give them, you give them a business? When I come across somebody who's asking for information, but the, their delivery tells me you just want to argue, yeah. then I that's a different. That's a different. You give them the business. <laughs> I give them the business. I give them the business. And then you're going to have that conversation and let everybody know you gave them the business. <laughs> Like because for all those who like, might relate to him, to you need to know too. <laughs> and I love yeah. it. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, y'all, and we'll be back with Daniel J. Hi, this is actress Michelle Lamb. You are listening to Afternoon Tea Radio. Hey, this is China Bethy with Rich University, and I'm on Afternoon Tea with Maria and Karis Jordan. Yo, 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 this your man, Mr. 23, Henderson Maddox, straight out of Atlanta. I'm on Afternoon Tea Radio with Maria Jordan and Karis Jordan. What's up? When news is breaking, you need to be connected and need to know what's going on. You want local coverage because that's where you'll get the real story. When it comes to sports, you want local coverage of your favorite pro and college teams because they've got the inside scoop. The iHeartRadio app gives you local coverage from over 1,500 radio stations across the country, keeping you informed. And best of all, the iHeartRadio app is free. Download it or go to iHeartRadio.com. Hi, I'm Carson Kressley. Of all the resources in the world, kindness is the most precious. For more than 140 years, American Humane has been working to protect animals in disasters, on farms, on the silver screen, and in zoos and aquariums caring for the world's vanishing creatures. You can help too by making humane choices every day. Visit AmericanHumane.org for simple ways to build a more caring and compassionate world for all of us. Have you been looking for a radio station that gives you sports? I don't believe it! It's a touchdown! Entertainment? Are you not entertained? And other special interest talk shows? Well, isn't that special? All on one app? Yo, that's dope. What app is that? It's the real 1100 AM app for WWE. Grab it for free in your Google Play or Apple App Store today. Hi, this is Ethel, and you're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio. What's up, Atlanta? It's the Tunnel Guy, DJ Geronimo. You're listening to The Afternoon Tea. What's up? It's Magnetta Shaw, and I am on the radio with The Afternoon Tea. Take a sip.
talk to me nice Say now my love you didn't need for your life Yeah, I love no be like Say every day together, yeah, day and night Yeah, if I leave, you go by Yeah, if you leave, I go Stroking by Stroking your back, baby Loving your body, baby As you're whining your body, baby So crazy Loving your body, baby Girl, you want me What's up, family? It's your favorite host, Maria Jordan, and you're listening to Afternoon Tea Radio. And I have my special guest, blogger, singer, actor, host, and everything else you can imagine, Daniel J. on the line with me. What's up? Yes, it has been such a wonderful time I know, being on I, this show. I really appreciate you. I wanted to talk a little bit um, about the J-Spot. How did you come up with uh, with with the with the whole concept? So, ooh, um, so back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, I was working. I was a program director for an arts nonprofit, okay. and I was really heavily into my music. I was singing all over the place, acting and whatnot. And I was at home, and I was bored. <laughs> And I said, you know what? I just feel like I, ha- I was, I, I don't know if I was watching someone on TV or what, but I just had an opinion about it. And I was like, well, I want to talk about my opinion. And I didn't yeah. have anybody to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> so and so said, it began. Well, <laughs> I said, well, let me, uh, let me write it down. Ah. And I literally started to kind of keep a journal of just my thoughts. And Somebody had mentioned something about WordPress. You know, at the time, WordPress, you know, you could have yeah. like a blog site and whatever. And I went on WordPress and did a little research and created my first blog, which was on the J-Spot. Yeah. Um, and I just started to post on that blog for a little bit. Um, people started reading it. I would share the stories or the articles, and people really enjoyed it. And I And then I started to do... Um, like small little YouTube videos, yeah. and YouTube at that time to me was very new because I didn't know crap <laughs> about YouTube. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna I'm use my little camera. We gonna figure it out uh, today. We gonna figure it out. <laughs> and I think I called, I think I called it like the Lost Six or something like that wow. because the loft that I lived in was number six. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> and. Funny. 
that's kind of where it started. It just, it really started because I wanted to share my opinion and mm-hmm. I felt like, I wonder if anybody else thinks this way. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, um, I was living in LA and I had watched my first ever catfish episode. <laughs> And it was an episode with this girl named Paola and this boy. I think his name was Raul. And he had sent this girl money, like all kinds of money, had never seen her. She was catfishing the hell out of him. And she took this money and she bought herself an engagement ring. And told her family and everybody that it was from him. Oh, wow. And I said, I know damn well. This is some, I said, people is really doing this out here in these streets. They really I had are. Never, I had never saw the show. I had I didn't know what it was about. I was just I said, oh no. And so I went on YouTube and did a review of the episode. Ah. And people loved it. And okay. so it just kind of grew from grew there. From and on there. the day spot lasted for quite a long time. It turned into um, a radio show on Blog Talk Radio. I had four seasons of that on on, wow. on Blog Talk. Um, had some really great guests that I interviewed during that time. Um, and then uh, I started to really get into Instagram, and I started doing reality TV yeah. reviews on Instagram. And this was back when Instagram only gave you 30 seconds. Yes. <laughs> Reels and stories and all that that we got. It was like you posted a picture or you posted a 30-second video. Second and video. Now, was it? Was it 30 or 15? It was 30. Oh, goodness. Well, well, let me ask you this. Do you think, because a lot, you know, social media, it has its pros and cons. What do you think, like, do you think that it is a blessing or a curse at this point? (laughs) I think that people need to stop blaming things that don't have minds and don't have Ah. and aren't sentient beings. That's what I really did. But exposure, though, like, I mean, <laughs> you're, we expose, I feel like everyone is just, <laughs> in a sense, way too exposed to, and, and, and it's just, it's almost like a, a reality TV show on, I mean, I, I guess it's, I feel like so many people get so stuck on what stuff someone is supposed, you know, what you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to look like, influencers and all of that, that it's hard for people to find themselves, harder for people to find themselves now. Or would you feel, do you feel like it's the opposite? I feel like social media is a tool. And depending on who's using it, it can be very beneficial or it can be very damaging. Um, I tell people all the time, once you press post, that's it. You don't get to police who has an opinion about it. You don't get Mm. to police who, I mean, you could do what you need to do as far as blocking and and things like that to kind of protect your space because it is your space. It is your page. You do have the right to post whatever you want to post. Yeah. But it is a public platform. So the people who are able to see it, the people who are able to read it and comment, that's what they're going to do. And if you don't want that attention, don't post. Go get. Go do what we did back in the day. Get you a diary, a journal, <laughs> and keep your thoughts in a book with a lock on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's no different than having a gun. If I set a gun on the table, the gun by itself cannot do anything. But depending on who picks it up, will determine the damage. You're either in danger or yeah. you're protected. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead with so, that analogy. You better. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> well. <laughs> 
Well, it also can cause you to be banned or blocked. And someone knows a little bit about that. So tell them how you got banned from Twitter. Well, I think I got banned on TikTok. Like, TikTok, I, well, I TikTok. continue okay. to be suspended on TikTok. So, TikTok is not an American app. You know, it, it's governed by by China. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whether we like it, hate it, or whatnot, China is a very proximity to whiteness is real. And I lived, yeah. I've lived in two Asian countries, um, yes. Taiwan being one of them, which is an indep- they they are an independent. Uh, territory but they're still governed by china Mm -hmm. and so a lot of my videos tend to be reported because i feel either people watch them and don't agree with it and so they're trying to get me knocked off and so they report me yeah um and tiktok's algorithm is such that no matter who reports you and for no no matter for what reason they remove your content automatically they don't do a review they don't do anything if, so if I saw your if I saw a video of yours and I said you know I don't like this and I said this is hate speech, they're gonna remove it simply because I reported it before they review it. Oh, that's insane. So, how, so that does, has does your material come back if if it's like how does that work? Is Not unless gone? you saved it to your phone. Oh my word! And so you can appeal it, but again the appeal process doesn't give you a voice. It's literally it says. Submit an appeal. You click the button, and they say appeal received. Wow. We'll review it and let you know. And so sometimes you win the appeal, and they put the video back up. But in my case, what has been happening is people have been reporting my videos, and because I get so many people reporting my content, they block me from being able to message, to post, to go live, and things of that nature, which for me is very damaging. I have over 400,000 followers on, on TikTok. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of people that hit me up in regards to promotions and things like that. So, like, there's money in my TikTok. Yeah. So when I'm not able to post, when I'm not able to message and engage, that really it's does damaging. hurt yeah. my my following, but it also hurts my passion. Your brand, yeah. <laughs> and my brand. So, you know, I I am in the process right now of um, submitting a complaint because even though it is a Chinese-governed uh, app, um, the fact that it is able being able to be used in the U.S., there are still some things that we can do. Yeah. So I am going through processes because what I've noticed is if you have if you have a melanin bill that you've paid or if you – and especially if you have a melanin bill that you've paid and you are part of the LGBTQIA plus community, the inequity of suspended accounts and blocked content – it's higher mm. in black and brown LGBTQIA content creators than it is for those who are of the caucus persuasion. Wow. I, you know what? That is not a surprise. That wow wasn't 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 authentic at all. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> That's not surprising at all. It's unfortunate is what it is. And I'm glad. I mean, shoot, hopefully. I didn't know that. Honestly, I'm barely on TikTok, which is probably everyone is like, Maria, you need to get with it. I'm trying. I'm learning. But um, I mean, it's just one of those things where I just haven't really fully. But it's necessary, I think, for my brand to get more into it. And I've gotten to this thing now where the excuse is not okay that's not what I do that's not what I'm good at no you need to learn to be good at it boo boo so that's what we working on <laughs> and this, get... look this is my advice Maria do what works for you mm. the comparison game will always comparison always kills shout out to Jonathan yeah. McReynolds comparison kills yeah when you see what other people are doing if that's not what you do don't do that yeah find what works Figure for you out and you. make it work absolutely because what I will say about TikTok is 
TikTok is very non-committal. People will follow you just because one of your videos made them laugh. Yeah. They'll follow you. <laughs> but their engagement, yeah. they will engage you like crazy. Like, I, I always say that Instagram is like the relationship. Like, we, if I follow you, we go together. Yes, we both. But TikTok is more like the hookup. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, I'll call you when I want to. Right now. I'm going to call you when, you know, I want a Netflix to chill. But other than that, right. that's it. No thanks. <laughs> so, let me ask you this. Do you feel like the culture, black culture that is, or I won't even say just, yeah, black culture, do you think as a whole we need to change? Like, do you feel like there needs to be a change in the culture? Um, I think that as a black community, we need to figure out what black culture is. Mm. Um, Because I don't think that as a whole, all of us agree on what black culture is, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so easy for other people who are not black to to appropriate it and and to culture vulture it. Yeah. And we've not we have not been able to to properly protect it because so many of us don't know what it is. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel like, you know, I'm I'm represented or or underrepresented or protected as a gay man? Um, Yes and no. I think that as as a gay man, we obviously have more representation with with black gay, you know, um, representation or, or black LGBTQIA plus representation, mm-hmm. definitely more of it, which is great. Um, but there are still things that are not represented. There are still things that are misrepresented. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, you know, I am a feminine presenting gay man. Mm-hmm. But as a feminine presenting gay man, just because I have on makeup or lipstick or whatever, I don't give you, oh, well, I don't think, I, I don't feel, I don't feel like I give you over-the-top, no. you know, antics and then not give you substance. And there's a, that part of, of the representation annoys me, specifically in reality TV, because we see a lot of people who get on these reality TV shows and they're the gay best friend, mm-hmm. but there's no, there's no insight to their substance. Like, mm. what really is their story? We know that you can pop some heels. We know that you can, you know, turn a look. Yeah. like, what's the substance behind that? And so I, that's what I really wish more of as far as, like, you LGBTQIA representation mm-hmm. in the black community is being able to see our substance, not just our entertainment factor. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I agree with that completely. Um, I know that you, one of your um, videos about the baby and T.I. that went viral, <laughs> viral, viral, um, was very popular. And I mean, I don't know if any, I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with the situation and with the baby being at his concert talking about um, just real homophobic things. I think some, uh, it was disrespectful to me, to women, to to the um, homosexual community um, and to a lot of his fans. <laughs> And I don't want to go specifically since we on AM radio <laughs> on exactly what he said, but it was a lot. Right. I mean, even and I'm shooting, I forgot, even disrespecting HIV victims. Um, it was just a lot. Right. And um, you, you really spoke on that. And I think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people knew you already, but that's when they really stuck to the way you expressed that 
and I, I, my question, because I looked at the video, I made all my staff look at the video, like, yeah, y'all need to listen to this from this perspective so that you can have a better understanding. So we know that hip-hop, but we know hip-hop culture has a tendency to be vulgar and discriminatory. What mm-hmm. made this hit different for you? Like, what made it like, hold on. What made it hit different for me is I got tired of our own community not holding him accountable Mm. to what he said. One of the things that people have continued to say to me, well, you got to understand hip-hop culture like hip-hop has always been. This is what you do. And my question is, but is it right? Yeah. You got to stop comparing now to then because guess what? Back then, we didn't have the voice. We didn't have the platform. We didn't have the ability to speak out and be supported in defending, you know, ourselves, defending our communities, defending and, 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 and advocating against discriminatory language. Okay? Now we do. So when I hear people say, well, he said something about women and ain't nobody said nothing about women, sweetie. Yeah. If black women are that upset with what he said and black women decided I'm no longer going to listen to his music, guess what would happen? Sales would drop. Yeah. I am not responsible for why another set group of people are not advocating for themselves. I can't I can't advocate as a black woman. I can advocate mm-hmm. with a black woman. Because I'm not a black woman. I don't have a black woman's experience to own or to, or to live, or, you know, to express. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so what hit different for me was I understand that as a black man, people feel like, you know, we're already under attack. We're already under, you know, the black community is already under attack in this country. Why are we going to drag this man? Why are we going to ruin his career? And it's like at the end of the day, it's not about ruining his career. It's not really even about dragging him. But your blackness doesn't over shouldn't overshadow the fact that if you say something or do something that hurts other people in your community, you have to be held accountable to that. I agree with that. I want, but I would when I asked earlier about you know does there need to be a change in the culture? I really truly believe it does because it's so much. It's not even. It doesn't even stop there. Like I feel. You know, cancel culture is here and it's a, ex- holding people accountable for what they say. You can say whatever you want, but how people respond is, is out of your control. You are responsible. Um, but I think I feel like with our culture and where we're trying to go with our Black Lives Matter and um, women's rights, gay rights and all of these things as a whole, I feel like we need to across the board get on board with okay what do what do we want to represent and what do it it's not okay across the board to me and i guess right. it's i feel like um we need to have a bigger discussion like we we need to have a bigger discussion in regards to it's almost contradicting what we feel the cult, where the culture needs to, uh, or you know, to respect hip hop and respect things, and this is what it is, this is how it is, and then on the next line, on the next page, or the next post, respect women and Black Lives Matter and gay rights. <laughs> right. Like, which one is it? Like, that is a contradiction to me. And it, it, if um, 
I know it's part of the culture, but I feel like the culture needs to change in that respect, personally. I and just, as it pertains to the baby, the real my real issue for, for doing that video was watching his Instagram live after response. the stage incident. Yeah. Because yeah. he doubled and tripled down on what he said, and what he said was so ill-informed. What he said was so discriminatory and so offensive, and he didn't even realize it. And so when T.I. put, you know, put his little hat in in the conversation and had to say what he had to say, I was like, yeah, no, I don't need you speaking for an experience you have no clue about. Do do you believe that it's possible for heterosexual people to be discriminated against? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like that argument is the same argument as is it possible for black people to be racist against someone who's white? Yes. Explain. It's the same argument. Get um, into a pr- it. Oppression <laughs> has to do with power. Mm-hmm. Systematic oppression has to do with power. Mm-hmm. Um, can can heterosexual people be discriminated against by people of the LGBTQIA plus community? Absolutely. But can the LGBTQIA plus community, do we really have the power to oppress heterosexual people? Mm. Hell no. The world, the world, Craig, is based (laughs) on a (laughs) heterosexual (laughs) dynamic and narrative. So just like black people can't systematically oppress, Mm. uh, oppress white people because we don't have the power structure to be able to do that, it's the same goes as far as heterosexuals versus LGBTQIA and then saying, oh, well, we're being oppressed. Child, go sit down. Do you, do you think that discrimination is inherently bad or negative or do you think the violence behind it is? Um, I think discrimination is, is wrong, period. Mm. Um, I think that prejudice um, is subjective. Because Explain. I think that you can, I think that a, a prejudice is basically like, I don't deal with this for whatever my reasons are. Yeah. And so I, you know, you can be prejudiced against a thing. You can be prejudiced against a person for whatever your reasons are um, and, and, and steer away from them, but still not, you know, disrespect them and still not necessarily, yeah. you know, uh, commit acts of violence or, or, or things like that towards them. For instance, and I've, I've said this publicly, so if I get in trouble, oh, well. I have a prejudice against dating white men. Mm-hmm. And I, I have that prejudice because in my experience and in my belief, I just always feel like if I were to date a white man, there's always going to be a hard ER in the back of your mind. And in the minute <laughs> you say that to me or anybody that I know, we're going to have a fight. Okay. All right. So with that said, <laughs> how do you feel when a heterosexual, I won't even say heterosexual, or when a, when a man, I know that you stand by your transgender sisters and brothers. How do you feel when a man feels like, okay, I would not date a transgender? How do you, do you feel the same way with that where they have the right to be like, no, that's not my preference or be prejudiced towards that? Um, Well, just a question. So trans brothers and sisters, as well as my non-gender conforming siblings, Mm -hmm. Because there are those that don't that don't do binary gender. Oh, um, Ooh, but we gonna, after this, I need you to break all this down because a lot of people are ignorant. I know a lot of people are ignorant, and honestly, me being one, I don't know. But you don't know unless you ask. But let's finish this comment yeah. first. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so I think that uh, if a man is attracted to a woman, mm-hmm. 
he likes her body type. He likes her look, her face, you know, and he's attracted to her physical, physical. being. Mm-hmm. And then he discovers by way of her um, disclosure or however, preferably from her disclosure, that she has a tra- that she is a woman by trans experience and his attraction to her changes. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a hatefulness in him mm. that he needs to deal with because if he decides to say, you, you know what, you are still a beautiful woman, but I just, I don't know that I'm ready or, or capable to date a trans woman, but you are still gorgeous. That is still a prejudice because he he does not want to date a trans woman. Mm. But, it's a pre, but it's his prejudice Number one, he needs to own that. But it's a prejudice that still, it doesn't cause violence against her. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cause disrespect against mm. her. It, he's not misgendering her. Yeah. He's not calling her a barrel of bees. Yeah. You know, he's, not, he's saying, you know, I, I acknowledge that you are a trans woman. You are a beautiful trans woman. I am definitely attracted to you. But because I have not done work within myself, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that you are trans and I'm not ready for a relationship like that. Hmm. Ooh, I love you. Because that's really what it is. Yeah. That's really because, and this is what I try to get people to understand when I had that conversation, we're not talking about dating. I'm not talking about relationships. Yeah. I'm talking about attraction. Mm. If the, if my physicality if, if the attraction to my physicality changes based on the knowledge of how I got to where I am, yes, that is trans-hateful and trans-ignorant. Ooh, I, we need to talk again. We need to talk <laughs> again because I'm not done. And I just, I love that. I swear every time, you know, I'm all about broadening my perspective. Person, I have this whole platform for, for selfish reasons to, to have these conversations and to understand, to, to learn and to understand what you don't understand. And because you don't, you can't necessarily uh, relate directly. But I, I just, I just love. It's like the- Maria, as a, as, a, as a woman, like, let's say you love to wear weaves or you love to wear wigs, mm-hmm. right? And nobody knew that you were a wig wearer. They just thought that that was your weird hair. And a man came over to you, and he was like, oh, my God, your hair is so beautiful. I love a woman with long hair. Oh, this is bomb. And you'd be like, oh, well, it's a wig. And he was like, ah, you know what? I don't date women who wear wigs. (laughs) How would you feel? I mean. Would you feel a certain type of way? Would you look at him and be like, you're stupid? I would think he was stupid. I would think he was (laughs) stupid. Like, what? I'm cute. My face so, is cute. Again, but I, again I, I same scenario, different variables. I'm attracted to your body. I come up and I try to holler at you. I find out you're trans. Ugh. I don't date trans. I don't date trans women. Hmm. Oh, Daniel, we're going to have to have you back on, babe. Because we're running out of time, and I really need to, I mean, these gems are necessary for our culture. It really is. Um, my whole, I, I just, I want us all to be on the same page. I want us to respect and love people. I want people to feel safe no matter what their preference and who they are. I want the, us to feel safe in this world. And I think that these type of conversations and un, to try to understand one another is what's necessary to do that. Um, but I I just appreciate you any shout outs any I know you have an amazing show coming up tonight that I um, I want you to tell the listeners to make sure they're listening in Um, (laughs) 
So I have a brand new talk show. It's called The Daniel J Show. It's premiering uh, tonight. Uh, shout out to Pirate Media Network. It's on their network. You can watch it by uh, subscribing and going to my Daniel J YouTube channel. We're going to be, I'm going to be interviewing Giselle Bryant. Nice. Uh, the Real Housewives of Potomac tonight. So that's going to be a really great inf- uh, conversation. But if you want to follow me on social media, it's the same name on all social media. Daniel J. D-A-N-Y-O-L-J-A-Y-E. Yes. Thank you so much, Daniel, for joining me. I respect Thank you much. You. I can't wait to hear your show tonight. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. You say bless, friend. You too. All right, y'all. Okay, thank you for listening, guys. I hope you were able to uh, listen to our show with Daniel J. It was awesome. If not, you know, you can uh, make sure you go to iHeartRadio Afternoon Tea Radio Podcast and take a listen. Our quote of the day, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars and to change the world. Harriet Tubman. All right, make sure you're following us on Afternoon Tea Radio Atlanta on IG and Afternoon Tea Radio on Facebook. Also visit AfternoonTeaRadio.com and listen to some of our previous shows and uh, our personal sites. I am MariaJordan.com and KarisJordan.com. All right, guys. I will see you next week. Stay blessed and have a good weekend. Bye. Thank you for listening to Afternoon Tea Radio with your boy, Karis Jordan. And your favorite host, Maria Jordan. And make sure you tune in every Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah. 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 Yeah.